Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. today's episode, we're going to take a break from our new format that we started this year because I was privileged enough to interview Sean and Sinead from the Irish Savers Action Group. I know that we do have a lot of international listeners, so if you are listening from outside of Ireland, then you can most likely skip this episode, but for those people who live in Ireland or are Irish tax residents, then this episode will be of particular interest because Sean and Sinead are on a mission to try and lobby the Irish government to make changes to the tax system here in Ireland when it comes to taxing investment income. Without further ado, let's jump over to the interview. Sean and Sinead, thank you so much for being on the show today. I guess let's start, if you guys wouldn't mind sharing a bit about your own background and and how you guys managed to get uh, ISAG together. Uh, Yes, so um, I'm Sean. Um, I'm from Galway, originally from Dublin, um, but moved when I was nine and never quite got over becoming a culture, but had to get used to it. Um, so I worked as a maths teacher for two years and then I switched, went back to um, college and now I'm working sort of as a technically a data scientist, but I'm, I'm basically a programmer right now and I'm based uh, working in the UK. Um, and I'm Sinead, um, I'm a software developer and I have worked in Dublin um, and in, in the US as well, in the Bay Area, uh, in California. Um, and yeah, I'm back in Dublin now. Excellent. Scary thought. I think we've got three software developers on this interview today. So hopefully we're not too biased towards the software development movement. But anyway, we'll see how we get on. And I mean, how, how did you guys meet? Were you friends before setting up the group or, or did you guys kind of get to know each other through setting, setting up the action group? And I mean, I guess you can kind of mention a little bit about the history of, of how the group formed as well. Um, I was talking through a uh, budget with um, a relative of mine and basically just, you know, went through the basics, covering expenses, maxing out your pension contribution, um, those type of things. And we got to the point where um, on a wage of, you know, the higher end of 20 grand, underneath 30,000 per year, um, she was able to put aside, I'd say between four and 7,000 a year. Um, that would be living quite the hermit life at 7,000. So realistically, 4,000 per year, 5,000 per year. I was looking at the options that I had available to me um, as somebody who's working in the UK. And then I just realized how how bad it was. And I, you know, at first I was looking at, all right, well, is there something like the UK ISA? Um, and there wasn't. So what's the next option? Um, we're going to look at maybe index funds, ETFs. And then I came across uh, the deemed disposal and it piled up to the point where I realized the options were very grim. So I went online, went onto a couple of forums, decided I should try and get something moving on that front. And then Sinead was one of the first people involved and, you know, like getting involved in the conversations. So, um, then she hopped on as a as a co-leader as well. Yeah, and uh, to add to that sort of similar experience of like realizing that 
their options in Ireland were slim. Um, after coming back from the US, where uh, a lot of young people are, are very focused on their financial futures, much more so than in Ireland, and about how many options there are in the US market for people to save um, and, uh, you know, make make money uh, from their savings. Um, when I came back to Ireland, I, I, I realized that I wouldn't be able to do the same things as I had been in the US. So when I saw Sean's post, um, I, I joined up uh, eagerly. I think it's fantastic that you guys met on Facebook. I actually had a similar experience when I set up uh, the Native Woodland Co-op. It was literally just a Facebook page to start with, and we managed to get seven of us together to form a board. So I know exactly uh, what you guys, or I guess a similar experience to what you guys would have gone through. And I think it's great that um, you know two two complete strangers have come together over something which um, you know to have a have a common cause, which is great. And Sean, I mean, would you mind telling me a little bit about some of the goals of of what you guys are actually trying to achieve? Um, yeah, so um, I suppose we could outline what Isaac wants to do under three headings, and that would be pensions, um, financial education, and then a savings and investment scheme, um, similar to the Canadian FS, FTSA or the, the UK ISA. With regards to pensions, um, right now, sort of a, as our main goal for pensions, where we want uh, parties to commit to um, requiring Irish pension providers to have a kid document, so that's key information document, and that's sort of a big uh, element of the new uh, pan-European pensions, which is uh, PEPP, um, which could be fantastic when they come come down the line. Not to jump the gun or to put forward false hopes, but I, I'm hoping those are going to be a game changer for what pension options are open to to Irish people. Um, so hopefully work done on a European level can overtake uh, what's possible on an Irish level there. And then for financial education, we're looking into um, creating a module uh, for secondary schools and then hopefully some further lifelong learning uh, just to give universities, employers or uh, unions the tools needed to try and you know make the population more financially literate and help them to make the decisions that will improve their financial stability. And then with regards to the uh, savings investment scheme, we're looking for a tax efficient, um, easily accessible vehicle uh, that Irish savers can put their money into and can put their money into you know, investments like ETFs, um, which give them a diversified portfolio, um, as opposed to the current situation where Irish people are almost sort of forced into picking individual stocks. Um, which is obviously far more dangerous and far more likely to lead to poor financial decisions. Yeah, I think I think it's a great point. And I mean, for me, tax is always about incentivizing people to do the right thing. And when you live in a country where it's actually better off to invest in Bitcoin because the tax rate is lower, or even zero in some cases if you're under the capital gains allowance versus putting it in a fairly safe ETF, which is at least diversified, and that's really saying something. So there's there's something there which is you know kind of wrong in terms of you know how it's actually being structured. So um, we will come on to that later because I'm I'm certainly keen to talk about your sort of progress to date. But um, look, let's let's roll back a little bit in terms of you know you, you mentioned a few things there and in, in, in regards to what Canada's doing and and what the UK are doing. I mean, how does it compare to what they're doing to what we're doing in Ireland uh, in terms of the overall picture? So from, from the UK side of things, 
I suppose there there are two really important things that you know I have that um, I wish people living and working in Ireland had. So one of them is um, with my ISA, um, I can pick a diversified you know index fund. Um, I don't have to worry about you know deemed disposal. Um, I can just put in a monthly amount and it's just it becomes a habit i I don't have to think about it I don't have to worry about it and i I, th I think another huge aspect there is that it's accessible obviously you should always do your due diligence past performance is no indication of um, future performance and all, all of that obviously um but it's it's sort of it's not intimidating in the same way that investing in Ireland is intimidating. So the tax in Ireland is just sort of so off-putting that for your your average individual, they might end up never investing because of this. I think it's a statistic from 2018 is that 88% of Irish people are losing value on their savings um, after you account for dirt and um, inflation. I think another thing, Sinead and I have spoken about this um, is this sort of the pressure to get into housing in Ireland? Um, because other forms of growing your wealth are so difficult, you're you're sort of stuck in a in a place where your wealth is only going to grow in a linear fashion if you have it in a savings account or a state saving bond. Um, so the longer you stay out of the housing market, um, the longer you miss out on on that growth in terms of you know what you're wealth is um so so those two things that sort of that pressure to get into housing and the ease at which i can um put money aside into a diversified you know like a globally diversified um index fund uh, those are just two two huge factors yeah so in the us uh there is a type of pension called a 401k which is a employer contribution uh pension and generally over there, um, first of all, you have great visibility into uh, the fees that uh, you're getting charged for your 401k. And uh, to give you an idea of what the difference would be, um, the average um, expense ratio, which means fees that are getting charged for your pension account in the US is uh, 0.54. And in Ireland, the average is 2.18. And if you have a difference uh, of one and a half percent like that, that could mean up to 300,000 euro in a difference um, by the time you retire, depending on how much you, you uh, contribute. So it, at the end of the day, Irish people are, are losing out and uh, they're on the back foot in terms of um, having a secure future for themselves um, when they get to retirement age. Yeah, it's shocking, right? It's shocking, especially, you know, when we're so encouraged to look for those low fees and, and we're kind of forced to forced to invest into these pensions which which don't have low fees or or effectively lose half the money to tax before we can actually invest that money so it doesn't give us a huge amount of options and look i know later on we're going to talk about deemed disposal and it's actually one of the most common questions that i get uh from podcast listeners so no doubt they're going to be interested to hear what you have to say about that Sinead. but before we get on to that sean do you want to touch on on the third aspect of what you guys are doing with the financial education scheme yeah, so um, we've just recently started um, getting in contact with the um, education spokesperson for each political party. You know, like in essence, we're we're trying to um, change how the education system deals with financial literacy education. 
Um, so there, there are examples of best practice around the world with regards to, you know, what, what topics are taught and the, the building blocks that they can work on from a younger age leading up to uh, when they leave school. But this might be part of my uh, education background, having been a maths teacher. Um, but I, I think there's a, a lifelong learning opportunity here. It can be hard to get kids, teenagers involved in different topics in school. So it, it, it doesn't mean that you don't try and engage them in school. You, you still need to go through the material and try and engage them with, you know, something that they enjoy. But, um, you know, I, I had kids complaining that they didn't need um, to know what fractions were. And <laughs> like plenty of them pointed to the fact that they had calculators on their phones and uh, there were a ton of different reasons why they didn't want to learn any anything that was taught to them on any given day in school um so that that is a reality that you're dealing with but if you create a lifelong learning aspect to this um then you could sort of have these um learning outcomes that you place at key moments so you might have at the beginning of somebody's time in college or in the it that they they go to this you know type of budgeting or at the end of their time in college maybe like an enhanced version of a budget education module um, or if they're in a trade or uh, if they start a new job um, so like we're, we're, we're looking at moving it past just secondary school education and seeing can we get unions involved can we get colleges can we get um, I'm going to show my age here I was about to say FOSS but if you're with a solace, um, you know, learning a trade, that you, you, you have these sort of lessons taught to you at the right time. You know, if you're about to take out a mortgage or about to take out a loan, that we try and sort of intervene to to encourage people to make the, the choices that are best for them um, and that they can sort of have, a, have that financial security and, uh, and build up that um, capability to make the right choices. Uh, and just give them the tools. So, you know, it, it's not everybody's going to have the same options available to them, but if, if we give, you know, every Irish citizen uh, the tools to, to sort of make these right decisions. Yeah, that, that sounds really, really good. And I mean, I, I know I've talked to a couple of school principals over the years uh, in Ireland, and I've often asked them about financial education, and they kind of say, oh, it'd be great if we did something. And, you know, this there's definitely a lack of it and you do see it i mean we have friends we recently moved house and we're carefully saving up for the furniture that we need to to put into the house month by month so to speak and you know, we sort of talked to friends about it recently and they said sure would you not just go down to harvey norman and put it on credit and just pay it off weekly you know and it's it's that sort of attitude that that results in people unfortunately being in debt most of their lives so you know it's little things like that where we can try and encourage people just to realize that some of these things you know I've other friends that have never paid off their credit card balance to the full so they've been paying 18% interest on that credit card for many many years and they don't actually understand the implications of that so um there's, there's things there that are definitely lacking in our society that, that could certainly be improved so yeah well done i think that's a really good goal that you guys are doing and, and to have talked to all of the the education ministers of, of those government departments is uh is fan or, sorry of those government parties is fantastic yeah um I, I suppose it's it's just important to note that you know obviously there there are some people in certain circumstances where they've they've done the work they've they've made a budget but you know the circumstances don't allow them to to sort of save money and you know uh, we we do appreciate that and 
that's why we would look to try and, try and encourage people to avoid getting into debt traps. Um, but naturally, there there are people in circumstances that are sort of outside ISAG's remit. Um, and not to sort of take away from the 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 potential for other people to improve their circumstances by making the right choices, but it's just important to note that we, we do appreciate that some people um, are in circumstances that don't allow that. And, you know, I'm sure each member individually has opinions of how, how best to help, but that, that might be outside of ISAC's remit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that's, that, look, that, that all sounds great. And uh, look, let's, let's jump over to, to Deem Disposal. And like I said, I know our listeners will be itching to, uh, to hear about this. So Sinead, should we jump over to you and, um, and pass the baton on? And I know you want to mention there about uh, distributing versus accumulating. So uh, yeah, I'll pass the baton over to you to, to give some feedback on that. Yeah, sure. So um, there are two types of um, ETFs and uh, they're, they're called accumulating and distrib- distributing. And uh, the difference is that the accumulating one um, will accumulate dividends and, and reinvest them back into the fund, whereas distributing uh, would be, you know, like a stock that pays dividends. So uh, um, quarterly or something like that, you'd be getting uh, um, you'd be getting distributions uh, from that fund. Um, and the way it works in the U.S. is you uh, you pay income tax on those dividends that you get from the distributing funds. Um, so they are taxed. Um, but the problem with Ireland is that this deemed disposal tax, which um, makes you uh, pay uh, tax every eight years on um, ETFs. Um, so how it's done in Ireland is that there is deemed disposal um, tax, which you pay every, every eight years, whether you sell uh, your funds uh, or not. And um, the reason that this is brought in, um, I believe, was to uh, in, in order to uh, get tax um, from taxpayers who have invested in these funds, um, that would be the uh, accumulating type. And really, uh, it shouldn't have been applied to accumulating and distributing, because if uh, if the rule wasn't there, the deemed disposal tax uh, rule wasn't there for distributing funds, then they would still be getting tax money from dividends paid uh, from distributing funds. And so they wouldn't be, uh, you know, you wouldn't be storing up that money for years and years without paying tax on it, which is what the accumulating funds do. Um, And unfortunately, this is very hard for people to keep track of. Um, uh, I think one of the questions you said that comes up quite a lot is, um, do you need to pay um, the deemed disposal tax, you know, on the eighth year, on the ninth year, on the 10th year, if you've been buying ETFs every year? And you do, and it and it's kind of hard to keep track of. Um, so, and it's it's a bit crazy that you have to pay that whether you dispose of them or not, and it really eats into uh, the compounding interest that you would get on ETFs otherwise. It's fascinating, and I I think you guys mentioned earlier that a lot of people avoid it because of the complications. And I mean, even myself, who who has a business degree and is fairly comfortable with tax and accounts accounting. I've avoided it myself and just and just invested through the pension because it's just so much easier than dealing with it through trying to do it personally and you know through through a broker account and, and having to file for it. Um, particularly trying to track something that you bought eight years ago. Um, you know, for any of us trying to think we were eight, we were eight years ago. You know, let alone how much we purchased um, is going to be a real challenge. You know, so it, it's definitely not. 
it's definitely not something that's ideal from an Irish point of view, and it's it's uniquely Irish as well. You know, if you talk to uh, your, other Europeans, they kind of uh, go, "Hey, what's going on?" Um, and so, I mean, what's I, I mean, what's the reaction been like from from politicians with with the action group kind of pointing out this out to them? I mean, is it something that they're aware of, or is it something that, that you know that kind of is on their radar, or is it does it come as kind of news to them in some cases? Um, yeah, the, the reaction's been mixed. Um, so I suppose one, one of the things about ISAG is that uh, we're, we're working very hard to be politically neutral. Um, so, you know, we're not affiliated to, to any um, party or group or, or organization. I think that that's mainly in order to just help us reach our goals without it becoming a, a political football. So we, we've had meetings with um, the Green Party and the Labour Party. And I think Sinead would agree here that when when we actually sit down and have have a conversation with them, um, you know they they're they're quite understanding. And obviously, I'm biased here, but I, I think we just have a really good case that that this needs to change. We've had positive reactions from from both the Greens and Labour, um, and the other parties were you know still working on uh, getting to, getting them to the table. Um, so. Currently, we've asked uh, Fine Gael for a meeting um, after some contact, and we're still waiting on um, replies from Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats. Yeah, I think they have been really positive. I, I think the, the biggest positive response has been towards the financial education. Um, I think politicians do get a little bit funny when we talk about the deemed disposal tax because there may be a view that investing is only for, you know, well-to-do people. Um, and they, I don't think they're that big a fan of reducing taxes on that sort of thing. But we're trying to communicate to people that it's not just, uh, you know, investing is not just for well-to-do people. Um, it could be um, a great strategy to uh, employ in your um, planning for, for your life and uh, your retirement there, there's sort of this um, taboo, um, and obviously uh, some people do better in Ireland than others, and, and you can appreciate people not wanting to seem like they're helping the well-off as opposed to helping those first who are struggling a bit more. Um, but I, I think there's a lack of appreciation for the proportionality of how this would impact people. So, And these are like some rough numbers with, with you know a, a level of assumption. So obviously... Um, take take this this as it is but if we were to compare uh two people in ireland um one of them earning 30, 30 000 euro per year and then the other one earning um a hundred thousand per year and um, let's say jane is earning thirty thousand per year we take jane is earning thirty thousand per year she's able to save four grand per year and then we take uh jeanette who's earning 100k she's able to save 30,000 per year um, and has managed to get onto the property ladder and is paying 12 grand per year um, towards her um, house so without the ISAG uh, version of the ISA or the FTSA let's say chances are Jane is going to be putting money into her savings account it's going to grow by four grand each year and unfortunately, with the property market the way it is, she's never going to get on the property ladder. So her wealth is just going to grow in a linear fashion. 
Whereas um, with Jeanette, because she is putting money towards property and that gains each year, you know, that's exponential growth. And if she's able to put in 30,000 into investments and savings a year, they can sort of swallow up the initial fees and, you know, those, those um, initial expenses of a financial advisor. So if you put in place 5,000 per year in a sort of Irish version of the ISA, um, based on some fairly reasonable assumptions, instead of Jane's wealth being 100,000 after 25 years, it could be 200,000. So her wealth would be twice as large. Whereas if you take Janet, because her wealth was already growing in an exponential fashion, after that 25 years, her wealth is only going to be um, 6.4% higher, I think was the number. Um, so, you know, with Jane, you're doubling her wealth. And with Janet, you're only multiplying her wealth by 1.064. So I, I can fully appreciate the hesitancy from politicians, but what we're trying to get across is the proportionality of this impact. And that it's actually the, the low to middle earners of Ireland who aren't able to access the property market, who have the most to gain from an Irish version of the UK ISA or the Canadian um, FTSA. Yeah, Sean, you, you must have caught an episode or two of the podcast because I do love a good long-winded example. So uh, yeah, that was great. And I think that that was really interesting, actually. And I think you know, to expand on that as well, I mean, with the deemed disposal and the complication around it, Jane's going to look at that and go, well, for, for the sake of 4,000 euros a year, there's no point in me having to try and calculate this tax that's due in eight years' time and every year thereafter if, if I'm cost averaging in over that time. You know, she's probably going to be more likely to go, well, I'll just put it into a, a bank deposit account. And I think it's really interesting what you mentioned about the reaction from the politicians thinking that this is some sort of you know, tax that, that applies to the wealthy. You know, my answer to that for them is if they've really got a problem with that, they can introduce a wealth tax, which I know has actually been discussed in New Zealand at the moment. Uh, as a means to actually uh, stop that problem. So there's other ways around that short of a deemed disposal tax, which which really just seems like a little bit like taking a hammer to a fly, you know. So it's um, yeah, it's one of the interesting things. And Sinead, I guess to touch you know, back to yourself, um, I mean, what's your take been on it in terms of, you know, do you share what, what Sean's been saying there in terms of your own experience with it? And, and I mean, I, I guess it sounds like from, you know, from a momentum point of view, the only way we're really going to be able to change this is by actually, you know, getting the group to a size where it's 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 got momentum behind it. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, the more members we have, um, the the stronger our voices, and um, yeah, hopefully then politicians will will listen to us a little bit more. Um, as you said before, like deemed disposal is not a tax that's uh, that's implemented in any other country. Um, and yeah, other people do laugh at it. <laughs> uh, so I think it was uh, maybe it initially had good intentions, but it, it certainly isn't working. And um, to add a little bit to what Sean was saying um, and his example, um, you know, people most likely who can't get on the property ladder these days are, are younger people. You know, we're seeing this across the world that a generational wealth divide is, is quite large. And um, yeah, people don't have uh, the spending power to to buy property. So, um, you know, the younger generation is probably going to be the ones that benefit the most out of this. Not that we wanted it to exclude anyone, 
but uh, we just want to let politicians know that, you know, young people do need help and this might be one of the ways that we can provide it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Look, I, I think you guys have really come across well in, in your intentions and what you guys are trying to do. And, you know, you've, you've enlightened me in terms of, you know, some of the true meaning of, of what's going on. And I think it's amazing how, yeah, the, these sort of taxes are passed and they don't always think about the consequences that it ultimately has. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, taxes are all about incentives. And this is clearly a tax which isn't incentivizing the right way. So, you know, well done and fair play for, for the work that you guys are doing. Um, if any of our listeners are interested in getting involved, what is the best way for them to, to learn about the group and, and join potentially? Yeah, um, so we've just launched um, our website and it's uh, isag.ie. So that's I-S-A-G.ie. Um, it's in its early days yet, but uh, it does have the links for our Facebook, our Twitter feed, and um, it has our email as well. So anybody can just go on and um, get in contact. Uh, we're always looking for people to get in contact and email their local TDs. Like I appreciate it feels like you can't get anything done, but at the same time, you know, we've already had meetings with uh, different political parties and we're certainly in it for the long haul. Um, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, so Sean, thank you. Thank you for that. And look, I, I really do think it's a great cause and really fair play to the work that you guys are doing. You know, even bringing this to, to the attention of, of so many is, is fantastic. I think the financial education stuff is great. And we will be sure to link uh, your Facebook page and the website address in the show notes so that uh, if any of the listeners do want to reach out, I think, you know, for, for many of us, it's a matter of, by the sounds of it, spending 10 or 15 minutes to find out who your local TD is and blasting them an email and we can see if maybe we can get a meeting geared up with some of those other political parties. It actually seems a little bit of a shame that some of the, you know, that the actual parties that are in majority in government haven't actually come forward to uh, to address this. So hopefully we can get that sorted within the next six months. So look, I know they've got other things to deal with at the moment, but as you guys said, this isn't a problem that's going to go away. And, you know, the fact that you guys are, are here for the long haul, hopefully you guys can keep nagging them until uh, <laughs> until something is eventually done. So, so fair play to both of you. And, and look, thank you so much for coming on. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. And, um, you know, like we're, we're always welcoming new members. So anybody listening who isn't happy with the current state of affairs, please, please get in contact and help us to change the, uh, the rules of the game here. Thanks, guys. That, that's great. All, all the best. And uh, no doubt we'll keep in touch as, as things progress. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're a big fan of the show, why not become an Irish Fire podcast member for free? Members receive access to inside information that isn't shared on the podcast, as well as regular updates such as a monthly newsletter. To become a member, visit www.firepodcast.ie.